Well, Matthew 6, 25-34 is our scripture passage for today. It's a story of Jesus speaking and reminding us about a couple of important things. There was a young man who applied for a job as an accountant, and he got an interview with a very nervous businessman who ran a small business that he had started himself. And at the interview, the business owner said to this young man, I need somebody with an accounting degree, but mainly I'm looking for somebody to do my worrying for me. And he said, what? And he said, yeah, I worry about a lot of things with running this business. I don't want to have to worry about money. Your job will be to take all the money worries off my back. And he said, okay, how much uh, does the the job pay? And he says, well, I'll start you off at $100,000. $100,000? The young man said, how can a small business afford to pay me $100,000? Wouldn't it be great if we could, if, if business could afford to pay $100,000? But his answer was, how can I afford to pay you that much? That'll be your worry. It's your job to worry about money, remember. It's amazing how many things we can find to stress us out, even at Thanksgiving. Of course, if you're cooking and doing the work, preparing for a big family, there's a certain amount of stress that goes along with that, too. There's one lady who tells about visiting her parents for Thanksgiving. And even though this lady was over 80 years old, her mother was determined to serve a traditional Thanksgiving dinner even though she was over 80 years old. And after spending the day preparing all the food, her mother was getting ready for bed. And she noticed that her mom set the set her alarm clock to go off at 4 o'clock in the morning. She did that because she had to turn the oven on at 4 to cook the turkey. And the daughter said, well, your oven has a timer on it. Do you know, don't you know how to use it, Mom? I can show you. And she said, well, of course, I know how to use the oven timer. But I've been getting up for over 60 Thanksgivings to turn the oven on, and it just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be the same to have the stove do it for me. Well, maybe she didn't really trust the timer on the oven. She would probably worry and not sleep all night if she personally didn't set her alarm and get the turkey started on time. I wonder if any of you know anybody that worries like that. The word worry actually comes from a word meaning to strangle or to choke. We need to pay attention to life's problems, that's for sure. We need to think about how we might get through them and how they might be solved. But worrying about them just really does kind of choke the life out of us, doesn't it? Worrying is like driving a car with one foot on the gas and the other on the accelerator. I mean, on the brake. The wheels are spinning, a lot of rubber is burning, but you're getting nowhere. Somebody said that worry is like a rocking chair, and I like this one. It's like a rocking chair because it will give you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. I think it's interesting that on Thanksgiving Sunday, of all weeks, our gospel lesson in our lectionary is about being anxious. Jesus says, 
don't worry about life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than just food and the body more than just clothing? And then he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in their barns. And yet our Heavenly Father takes care of them. And aren't you much more valuable than they are? And here's some thought that he throws in. Can anyone of you add by worrying? Can you add even a single hour to your life? And then he goes on to say, why worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon was dressed like these beautiful flowers. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field that's here today and tomorrow is gone, well, won't he do much, much more for you? And then he says, you have little faith. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What should we wear? And then he says, seek ye first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Interesting text for Thanksgiving, isn't it? But really, after thinking about it, it's really right on target. Because thankfulness really and truly is the perfect cure for worry, for anxiety. Think about your life. Hasn't God been good to you? Do you think that's going to change? Do you think God is going to stop being good to you now? Gene Webster wrote a story called Daddy Longlegs. It's a story of a young girl in an orphanage who is befriended by a person that she doesn't know. This kind stranger sees her when she's a little child and decides that he's going to do what he can to take care of her from a distance but he doesn't ever tell her who he is. And year after year, he does things for her and all sorts of favors and money and things come in from her unknown friend. And she goes through her childhood years and all the way through college and he helps her finance her college and all the things she needs. And she doesn't even know who he is or what his name is. Well, one day she sees him out and about, but she doesn't recognize him. And he doesn't really look like who she had imagined he might look like, but she finally learns who he is, and she loves him. Her long-time unknown friend, someone who she didn't even know who it was. Isn't that sort of a parable of our lives? We can all think of times when God has blessed our lives and we weren't even aware of it, and we love him for it. In our scripture lesson, Jesus points out that God has been and will continue to be extremely generous to us. In God's typical down-to-earth way, Jesus tells us, Look at the birds. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't pick anything. Yet God doesn't let them starve. They don't do a bit of work to make that, those things grow. But God feeds them. And if God feeds the little bird, don't you think he's going to provide for us, who are his very special, dearly loved children? The flowers don't fuss and worry about what they're going to wear 
God dresses the wildflowers, which are here one day and gone the next with the finest and most beautiful colors. If God does something for that, does that for something growing in the wild, surely God will care for us, who he created a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor, as it says in Psalms chapter 8. Thankfulness is a perfect cure for anxiety, for worry. There's another thing about thankfulness. Thankfulness keeps blessings flowing into our lives. I guess you could call it a self-fulfilling prophecy. But when you're grateful, when people are grateful, they seem to attract more blessings. There was a study that found that people who think about and who write down what they're thankful for each week feel more optimistic about their lives. They're more active. And they even have fewer needs for medical attention than people who write down things that annoy them or even neutral events. There's just something about a spirit of thankfulness that's healing to the body and to the soul. When University of Connecticut psychologist by the name of Glenn Affleck interviewed 287 people recovering from a heart attack, he discovered that people who found some positive benefit from their attack were less likely to suffer another heart attack within eight years. It's interesting. He recommends that we write down one or two things that we're grateful for each day and then read that journal, read that list once a week. Dr. Joseph Murphy agrees. He wrote a book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. He describes a man who had this kind of outlook on life. He says, a number of years ago, I stayed for about a week in a farmer's house on the west coast of Ireland. This man seemed to always be singing and whistling and he was full of humor and I asked him the secret of his happiness. He just seemed to be happy all the time. And he said, it's a habit of mine to be happy. Every morning when I wake up and every night before I go to sleep, I bless my family, the crops, the cattle, and I thank God for the wonderful harvest. Now, did he always get a good harvest? No. But he did consider every harvest, regardless of whether it was big or was small, a blessing, no matter what. There's something about a grateful attitude that seems to cause blessings to flow into our life. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that worry strangles or chokes life, as we said earlier. Thankfulness allows for blessings to flow where anxiety seems to choke them off. But there's one more thing about thankfulness that I want to mention. A person who experiences true thankfulness tries to be a channel of blessing to other people. And that's what we're doing today with all this food, with the offering we've taken, the turkey offering. These are opportunities for us to be blessing to others. We're thankful for what we have, and so we share. A truly grateful person can't hoard what God has blessed them with. A grateful person works to allow his or her blessings to flow through to other people. There's a story that comes out of World War II about a man who had a truly grateful heart. His name was Fred Hargesheimer, 
They called him Hargi. Hargi's plane was shot down over the Pacific Ocean on June the 5th, 1943. Hargi parachuted and landed in enemy territory in Papua New Guinea. He found shelter in an abandoned native hut where no one was living. And he lived in that hut for weeks and he lived on snails that he found in the riverbed. And every day he would recite the 23rd Psalm and he would think about the hope that his faith gave to him. Natives in the area found Hargi after a month. They showed him a note that was written by an Australian soldier that said that they could be trusted because they had saved other pilots. They were Christian people and they were at great risk, but they still protected him from being captured by the enemy. And they cared for him until Hargi was able to get off the island by submarine. And years later, he heard that his native friends who had saved his life needed a school. And so he helped raise $15,000 for a school building. That would easily be probably $200,000 or $300,000 in today's money. He also brought in volunteer teachers. A few years later, he built a library and a clinic there. And then 27 years after his friends had rescued him, he and his wife moved to New Guinea to live among them and to say thank you to the people of the island in a meaningful way. Those were his words. Hargi knew that he had lived a blessed life, so he decided to return those blessings to those who were in greater need than he was. That's what we do on Harvest Home Sunday. That's not the exception, but that's the rule for people who are truly grateful. That's the rule at Zion. We give, we pass our blessing on to others. But you already know that, don't you? You're here today to give thanks to God for your many blessings. And you want to pass on the blessings that you've received. And so do I. You have learned that thankfulness is a perfect cure for worrying, for anxiety. You have discovered that a grateful attitude does cause more blessings to come into your life. And you and I have discovered that a person who experiences true thankfulness will be a channel of blessings that can flow through to the lives of other people. We are blessed. We are truly blessed. I'm blessed. My family is blessed. We are part of this wonderful church family, this good community with many good people, other churches, wonderful people, good, good folks. We're blessed not to have to worry about where our next meal is coming from, but there are those who do. And today we help them understanding and realizing that we do it out of an attitude of gratefulness to God for all that God has blessed us with so abundantly. God has been so good to all of us. I wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving, and I will see you again soon. Amen.